Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our Instagram and other socials. Happy listening! We like talking about movies and TV, or TV and movies, because we're the Bees Knees, oh yeah. I don't know about you, but I had... Feeling 22? I wish. Actually, you know, I am feeling 22, but my birth certificate says otherwise. And I haven't brought up in a couple weeks that I'm turning 30. So So, there it is. Wait, you're turning 30? I know. It's like getting to be, it's almost a month away. Like it's almost the 23rd of March, which means that it's going to be exactly one month away from. You are almost in your birth month. Turning 30. Bum, bum. I am not looking forward to my birthday. I don't know why. It's going to be a fun time. Because then I'm actually 30. 30, flirty, thriving. Ha! (laughs) 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 I just have a lot of like sounds to make when I think about 30. Like just panic gasps. Like... (sighs) I feel like as you get older, and which you are getting older. Nah. Most of your vocabulary can simply be exchanged with noises. <laughs> Somebody says something that's shocking. Ah. Somebody says something that's like unsettling. Ah. Somebody says something you don't want to hear. Ah. I feel like I will never be the person that just ends up being different grunts. Oh, I wish I could like. I'm too emotive. <laughs> I wish I could have the mental capabilities to consciously minimize responses because when people tell me things for the most part i just kind of like replicate their energy Mm -hmm. so for the most part people are angry or excited or happy or whatever and i just mimic it and i wish i could just flip the little switch in my head and they're telling me something really exciting just straight face huh i wish why cannot Nobody, nobody would want to be around you. They wouldn't tell you anything because they'd be like, he's just going to grunt at me. I just feel like it's just like a, a nice, humorous, low impact response. See, I think that it's only humorous if you were in a sitcom. And everybody had a scripted response and how to deal with it. In like the real world, (laughs) I think that you would actually be disappointed in how isolated you would feel as a result of just grunting at people. I'm just thinking of like Red Foreman and how like people tell him stuff and he's just so bitter about it. Yeah. And just imagining how I would respond to somebody like that. And it honestly reminds me a lot of Hugh Grant at the... Oh my gosh. See that the the red carpet. People and aren't ju- fond of him right now. And it's just like people say this really same thing. Well, I mean, I was in it for five seconds. Yeah, like just like very <laughs> underwhelming responses. So all the time. what are you wearing? My suit. My suit. Speaking of <laughs> the red carpet, there was no Amelia Andrew Garfield chicken shop date point like three point Mother Cluckers. At least if it exists Everybody is keeping it locked away. I I hate to break it to you. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Like, 
there's no way that that would not be everywhere. See, I don't understand why neither one of their publicists were like, this, needs to happen. this is happening because it generates such a response from the public. like From us. We're not the only ones. Maybe, again, it's just like one of those sides of the internet that a small amount of people spend on, but because I'm on there and it's like all I see and it's all that's being shown to me, I think everybody gets it. But maybe <laughs> that's not the case. Like Jasper Talk. <laughs> like... We're on Jasper Talk. You'll never find another girl like me. <laughs> and you just think like, oh, everybody knows who Jasper is. And then you find out that it's actually a fairly small bubble of people that are exposed to the unhinged doll. <laughs> and uh, and if you try and explain it to anybody else, they think like, the fuck is wrong with you? Wow. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just kind of concerned like, oh, maybe her mental health is way worse than I thought it was. <laughs> It's like, yes. Well, for one, yes. <laughs> and two, Jasper is hilarious. It's like, I don't know what it does. I don't know how to describe what it does to my insides, but it's a good feeling. <laughs> anyway, I don't know about you, but I had a fairly eventful week. And uh, it was good. It was good times. I spent time with... A friend, a couple friends on Saturday, actually. And wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> um, that's because you grunt at people, Ben. <laughs> you can't blame them for this. This is your own doing. Oh. Anyway, so I have this friend, one of my closest friends ever. And there was a good long while before she went and had a baby uh. that I was at her house every week. Mm -hmm. And I would go there around like seven o'clock at night and there would be some nights where you'd be like oh you're going to her house i'm not gonna see you at all you're gonna come home at like one and i was like nah I i'm feeling really tired i'll be home by like 10 30 11 well then i'd get there we get chatting like i i hope that everybody has a friend like this in their life because it is so hmm. good for your mental well i'm that friend for you ben it's okay <laughs> but everybody else i hope you have a friend that you just hang out with and time disappears. You spend what feels like two minutes with them and six hours has gone by. And you're just like, it's just good good vibes, like encouragement and support and just fun. And uh, so that kind of happened again, except for our, instead of late nights, it's early mornings. <laughs> <laughs> so I get up and I'm, we're going to go to Costco at like eight in the morning because it it takes a while to get there and i was like oh we're leaving at like eight o'clock so so i'll be home by like sometime after lunch like early early afternoon and you're like yeah okay i was like no no for <laughs> real and then it was like 3 30 quarter to four yeah, before like, I, come I, home. I know how you two are you will start talking about stuff or you'll be like let's go to winners and just look around or something and even when it used to be that you would just go over to her house and it's just like you have your once a week play date with your friend yeah and i'd be sitting at home usually take advantage of that time and play some video games but it's like it gets to a point in the evening where i'm like damn i'm tired yeah i'm gonna maybe go to bed but here's the thing if i ever did 
just go to bed. You would get home and be like, why are you sleeping? I need to tell you all this stuff we talked about. So it's just like... I would tell you the highlight reel. But that's still like 35 minutes of a conversation. I just want you to know, though, that the way you said that made it seem like I would come and like tell you all the girl secrets. We still have loads of girl secrets that I don't tell you. I just (sighs) tell you like the highlight reel. But the point is, <laughs> like, even if I'm just like, like, she's out having girl time, whatever. Whatever you're talking about, whatever. I, having this nice, relaxing, just Ben's private time. <laughs> and what I choose to do with that is get a responsible night's sleep. But no, because as soon as you get home, I now am wide awake, or at least convincing myself that i am for the next 30 40 minutes the majority of the time that i would be coming home i would start telling you the highlight reel before i even got home i usually get in my car and then immediately phone you and be like (laughs) hey what's up ready to partay it's a wednesday night and we both have work (laughs) in the morning but now with this being like a morning thing it's not even like I have like alone time because like when you were gone, usually you were gone. Then there's like maybe like an hour and then the kids were in bed. Yeah. And then I would just have truly just alone time. But now like you left as the kids were waking up. Yeah. So it's just like chaos and it's just me and I'm, I'm a capable guy. But like would I prefer to spend my Saturdays not alone listening to the screaming because the kids have been sassy lately the kids are so sassy (laughs) but then you like you said we're leaving very early in the morning i should be home and i don't this is partly my fault i will say that up front i don't know why i thought when you said i'm leaving early i will be back early yeah i thought maybe like 11 (laughs) 30 Because, like, I had just built this agenda in my head of what you were doing. Except for you knew who I was with. I knew who you were with. Looking back on it, I knew what you were doing. There was different, like, different venues planned for this trip. Yeah. And you got home at, like, 3.30. And, like, I got so bored. I made a TikTok that was just, some guy was just like, when it's a Sunday morning and you or Saturday morning, you just wanted to go out for breakfast with your wife, but she, it's noon and she's still in bed and you're afraid for your life. And I was like, it's a Saturday and you just wanted breakfast with your wife, but now it's one in the afternoon and she's at Costco with her friend and you're very hungry. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was sassy. Yeah. Uh, just, I think just the right amount of sassy. Um, but uh, it was apt and to the point of, uh, like, why have you forsaken me? Please don't leave me. <laughs> and then it it all comes back around with um, another TikTok that we made. Um, it wouldn't have been much of an issue if I had somebody to hang out with, too. Yeah. Or, if, you know, just generally any friends. Your friends are all online friends. You don't have local, like, 
people that you can just go hang out with in the flesh. No, and it, even like my online friends are like a once a week play a game friends or like maybe like once a week we chat about random topic. Yeah. And then like, you know, like we have our lives. We're in different parts of the world. Like there's distance. Yeah. So it's not even like back when I was in high school, my online friends was a different term because I would go home, hop online on the Xbox and be hanging out with my online friends for eight to 12 hours a day. And yeah. Well, I think that's also because of the age. I mean, definitely. But it's just like, I don't have, you just said it was so good for your mental health to have a friend like that. But I'm your friend like that. And why am I not your friend like that? <laughs> I just have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends like that. Trust me, we've been together for over 10 years. It does not feel like we've been together 10 years. That's the equivalent of like hanging out with someone for six hours and it only feels like two minutes. It's just a grander scale. <laughs> I appreciate the the attempt. <laughs> <laughs> and then speaking of friends, um, one of my friends I hadn't seen for quite a long time. We used to work together and then we kind of went, she left me. And then I ended up leaving that place too. So it was fine. I couldn't, I couldn't take it without her really. It was like, again, it's that type of friend that I feel like everybody has experienced in their lifetime where it's like you work together and you keep each other sane and you understand the hell that you're going through. You complain about the same things. Yeah. You just, everything is so relatable and like you just get each other. You just click. It's great. And then when one of those people leave and you're left to endure all the hell that that workplace is by yourself, you're like, well, shit, I can't do this anymore. I have to leave too. Luckily, I do have one of those friends. Like the work yeah. friend. it's You're just making me scared because my work friend is like a 60-year-old man <laughs> who is very close to retiring. Yeah. So like... I had one of those too. I've talked about her before. Yeah. So it's like when he goes, what am I going to do? Retire with him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm a millennial. <laughs> um... Anyway, so we, we hadn't seen each other for quite a long time. We had both gone through uh, employment changes. And then she recently had a major life event happen and that she got engaged. And we want to go out and celebrate and catch up. So we ditched the kids on the grandparents. Thank heavens for that. Yeah. And we go and we're like catching up. Like, how's your new workplace? Oh, good. This is how my new workplace is. We talk about the final days that I was in old employment place and um, then we move on with like talking about her engagement and how wedding planning is going and all that stuff and it's funny because when she first got engaged she messaged me right away with like pictures and like oh my gosh this happened and I was like ecstatic like oh my gosh you got engaged that's amazing like finally but like woohoo kind of thing because Again, like girls, we talk about it. She's been waiting for a while. That's why I say <laughs> finally. Um, and then she finally announces it on social media. And another work friend 
sends me the announcement like d like sends it in private message <laughs> it's just like oh my god what and i was just like yeah i knew that already she told me last week so i'm pretty special i guess <laughs> you say that but what was your first react like first thought when you found out that they were engaged i was kind of like not surprised i knew it was going to be coming not for that I remember you telling me the first thing you were just like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. Do you think I'll be invited? I know. I was getting to that. I was just about to say our other friend sent to me was like, oh, my gosh, what? I said, like, yeah, I knew that she sent that to me last week. And they were like, oh, that's crazy. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, I'm really excited. Do you think I'm going to be invited? I really (laughs) hope I'm invited because I love weddings. And they were like, oh, probably. And then so we're out for dinner. We're talking about this stuff. And then she asks me to be a bridesmaid. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, yes. Because, again, I've said before, like, I love being a hype girl. I love supporting my friends and I love building them up and helping them accomplish their goals or or like plan out their their dreams, like whatever they want. I want to help them get to that point. Right. And so she's like, wants me to be a bridesmaid. I'm just like, ah, so happy. And it's funny because in our wedding, yeah, we had just shit wedding party people. We had a lot of drama. And I feel like that's because we were very young when we got married. And I think it was just a maturity thing. Yeah. I think that if we were to get married now, even if we had the same wedding party, if we hadn't have grown apart they're different people now and we're different people now and i think that it would have been a way different experience just because everybody has matured and we're actually adults most of them have matured (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i'm gonna be a bridesmaid and i'm really really excited about it i can't wait to see like she's gonna be such a a beautiful bride and it's gonna be a beautiful wedding and And i'm just honored to be a part of it this is exciting for me because this is my second wedding well, not in a row, but our, my second wedding uh, that we've been to fairly recently where I am the plus one to a wedding, wedding party. party member. <laughs> so I get to be sat at the table with all the other plus ones of the wedding party. Just the extras. Yeah. the uh, We're here on technicality table. <laughs> <laughs> and because you are up wearing the dress of the wedding party i get to i mean chances are i'm going to match you anyway well not exactly because you can't match the groomsmen and i'm probably oh shit so really i'm just gonna be able to wear the fuck i want i'm gonna i am going to dress myself i feel like i will still help you though i'm going to dress myself we still want to get pictures together and i don't want you to look ugly next to me I don't mean like no, you were I, actually going to be ugly. Exactly I mean, I don't want you, you wearing the something. The last in- time this was the case where I was a plus one that was the unimportant extra is, I guess, the proper term. <laughs> I wore a black and orange paisley button-up that it was primarily a black shirt that had bright orange buttons. Yeah. The shirt itself, I don't mind the pattern. I enjoyed the pattern and honestly, the shirt has grown on me over the years. You looked really good in the shirt, I think. You 
pulled it off fairly well. I think it was just the starkness of the buttons that threw me off. And they were quite stark. And I can't not think of Halloween seeing black and orange (laughs) together. And it was an August wedding. And I was just like, this just feels wrong to me. So I just I feel like it's important to note that it wasn't like you have bad taste. I don't think you have bad taste at all. I just didn't like the buttons and it's not something that I necessarily would have chosen for you but that doesn't mean that it's bad well then I'm going to pick the next one and uh I will just have learned from my mistakes and not pick orange buttons see I think our game plan for the sake of um financial reasons affordability yeah and um just because we were just kind of involved in your brother's wedding and we bought really nice clothing. Yeah. You, you got pick. a pocket square that mm. ha- was like, I it's don't know. It's like brown and pink and teal. Yeah, it's got blue. a lot of colors. It's a definitely a statement piece. I think <laughs> that you should pick one of the colors out of the pocket square. I'm going to pick the teal. And then I don't think the teal would look good with your beard. Bright orange beard and bright teal. I think that we should look at the pocket square and we'll see what <laughs> colors are there. And uh, we can just, you know, pick your shirt and then you can still wear your pants and your other stuff that you got for your brother's wedding. And it'll look great. And I'm going to be wearing whatever I'm wearing. And it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> I love dressing up. I love weddings. I love love. And um, I'm just happy to celebrate with people. Happy to celebrate their love. I'm happy to go to the reception and drink and dance all night. That's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we should probably get to the point of why people come here in the first place, eh? Uh, what? What is that even? Well, I mean, I did, I did promise people on social media that we were going to be talking about The Last of Us. The what? It kind of rings a couple bells. <laughs> the Last of Us, and I think <laughs> this is a stupid bit. <laughs> and I think that I also maybe mentioned it last week, so we should probably honor that. Yes. Yeah, so The Last of Us. <laughs> um, if you could summarize how you feel about it in like one or two sentences. Um, how I feel about it, I loved it. It was very different than anything of its genre whether that's like a movie that's like apocalyptic or a show and it showed sides of humanity that you don't really get to see in that type of world which i thought was enlightening and interesting and i think that this is the most i've ever cried watching a post-apocalyptic world (laughs) so there's that like it definitely resonated with a lot of emotions and brought those out of people and i think that's really important and that's why it did so well is that it was able to make you really feel things yeah and i liked how accurate to the games it was while still adding and expanding on scenes or emotions or just small things to just really add depth to the source material. Mm-hmm. So I guess from this point forward, if you haven't seen The Last of Us Season 1, uh, what the hell have you been doing? Go watch it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and 
this is your official warning. We're going to talk about specific things and not specific things and general things. It was the most vague sentence. <laughs> well. <laughs> things and things and things. We're, yes. <laughs> okay. So I want to, to start by uh, commenting on the people online who have been saying, this, this zombie show didn't have enough zombies in it. Do you think that was true? Do you think it didn't have enough zombies in it? Well, first of all, they're not zombies. They're in fact dead. Correct. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Um, See, that's what I'm saying about how it's different than any other production of this genre. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't... I feel like other shows and movies that are post-apocalyptic that have the zombies, they almost... It's like they don't have to write as much or they don't have to do as much as far as like character developing and storytelling because it's just like you can just throw a swarm of zombies in there and then you're just relying on the fear tactic. Yeah, for the most, like, look at a show like The Walking Dead. Yeah. For the first, what, like five seasons, the majority of the issues are zombie related. Mm -hmm. Whether it is like there's another group of people but the other group of people leaves things weak for the zombies. Yeah. Or just general, we're in this house and there are zombies around. Yeah. Or this guy gets turned into a zombie. Whereas The Last of Us focuses on the relationships and um like I'm going to reference the uh the official Last of Us podcast uh that the uh the creator of the show, the creator of the game, and the voice actor for Joel uh, in the game. Yeah. Did where they talked about how the the running theme for the show, while yes, this is a story based in a apocalypse and a like a infection based apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The theme is love. Like the love that is taken from Joel in the beginning. Yeah. The love that he learns through Ellie. Yeah. The love he has for Tess and that uh, commitment he makes to her because the love he has for her. Mm -hmm. Even though he understands, yo, you got got, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) The love he has for his brother. The love between Bill and Frank. Mm -hmm. God damn, the love between Bill and Frank. The love between Ellie and Riley. Yeah. Uh, and like how loved ones can hurt you and betray you and all of that. But then also this like weird mushroom kiss love of the infected. Okay. Like I don't really want to call that love. The the like just your phrasing of the mushroom kiss love like – that is not love. <laughs> That's like, uh, like I know it. Like the imagery was made to kind of mirror, like how it's kind of the antithesis of these people. Okay, using a thing that is kind of sacred and loving, and corrupting it. See, I thought also with the like lack of infected, 
I felt that it really showed that while the infected are dangerous and they will kill you, mm-hmm. essentially, um, that humanity is the real villain. Yeah, the, that- how quickly humans turn on each other, how just the worst side is brought out. So if you were in regular society and you were just like hiding in the shadows as a disturbing individual, you knew you had to be hidden. Being in this type of world, it like allows the monsters to come out of the shadows and just exist and dominate. Yeah, that's why there are groups like the Hunters who um, like they're a little... Not gonna say justified, but more fleshed out in the show. But like in the game, when they first get to insert the city they go to where they crash the truck after leaving yeah. Bill's fortress, they like these people, as Joel and Ellie are escaping the city, they see another pair of people running through the city, gun them down just to check their pockets, say, oh, they had nothing and drive away. So, like, they they don't view people as people. No. They are just things that bring me stuff. Yeah. The most impactful episodes that I found were very human, like, centralized. Yeah. Like, it was about the stories between them. Like, obviously, there's the Bill and Frank story, which was very, like, loving. And it was a side of this type of world that we've never been seen, that we've never been shown before. Yeah. And that was great. But that one, I want to talk about every other one but that one. We have another episode where we talk strictly about that episode. Yeah. So if people want more of our thoughts on that. Just listen to our old episodes. (laughs) Yeah. So, but aside from that one. The ones that really stick with me and kind of haunt me are the ones where the humans are being the monsters. Mm-hmm. So like in that one, how it kind of opens up the scene with like dragging people through the streets and hanging them. And like I get that that was a like revolution. They were overturning one bad leadership to another bad leadership but they felt like oh the people have taken over yeah but just the hatred and just the cruelty and i get that they were being suppressed and abused and treated horribly by the previous leadership but when they finally overturn and take control the way that they treat other human beings is so disturbing and disgusting that like I was just sick to my stomach watching it and there are so many examples of that through the show where I'm watching the people and they are what scare me the most not the infected like the infected are terrifying but that's because they're actually visibly monsters but what is more terrifying is someone that looks just like you and me doing completely horrific things and knowing damn well that if something like this ever happened in real life that your neighbors like people that you see on the street every day now whatever twisted thoughts that they have hidden are going to be just out in the open and they're just going to be the ones that you should be afraid of you know what i mean absolute worst yeah Yeah. because like is it episode eight that is with no it's episode 
No, it's episode eight with David and that whole, uh, like, the others is the group where it starts out so innocent and well-meaning. Yeah. Ellie is out hunting, trying to, like, keep Joel alive. Yeah. And she comes across a deer, kills it, but then is having a hard time catching up to it. And just two dudes, an old dude and Troy Baker, the guy who plays Joel in the in the game. Yeah. Just looking at it. Well, I guess we should probably take it back. And then Ellie comes out and meets them. And it seems so genuine, like, we we can share this. You can't possibly get this back all by yourself. Yeah. Uh, we could trade you. We have people who are hungry. Um, like we can work together. Yeah. And we have medicine, it, which like, yeah, it's, it's, she really is desperate for. He comes off as such a n- non opposing force. Like surface level though. If yeah. you go back and rewatch it, there are so many red flags that come up and how he's like, like, I don't know what word to say, but it's kind of the same idea as, like, grooming, in a sense. Yeah. Where it's like he's per- he's saying exactly what she needs to hear in order to get her trust. When, mm-hmm. like, oh, I was a teacher, and, like, this is what I used to do, and, like, I'm just like you. And, like, he knows exactly how to manipulate her. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's very disturbing to think about. And then... All the scene and like when he has her locked up in the like cage, yeah. all of that. It's so gross. Like I, I can't even describe how I felt watching that whole episode. But like that is what's so powerful about the show is like how deeply I felt things. Yeah. Was unlike anything else that I've ever watched of this type of show so a lot of this is going to be me asking you questions because the plot points i already knew i'd played the game yeah what were some of the most impactful moments in the show for you um i think obviously any time that like true love and acceptance was demonstrated bill and frank ellie and Riley mm-hmm. um those moments where these people were able to love and trust another person even under these circumstances where that is incredibly dangerous to do um those were like really impactful and memorable for me and then also just like the entirety of Joel and Ellie's relationship and how it progressed and how they went from like just resenting each other and like oh this kid is a burden to me I just want a vehicle I want to go find my brother Mm -hmm. to like I will die for this kid I will (laughs) die to protect her and Ellie also going from like I get that I'm a menace and I get that you don't want me and honestly nobody has wanted me in my entire life everybody I've ever loved is dead like what else is new and just a very bitter cut off walls up guards up everything type of kid to somebody who actually 
starts to see how Joel is changing around her and like being able to trust him and rely on him without feeling like, oh, I'm a burden and like opening up and just the relationship building, the relying on each other. Like, I don't think that the that the Ellie in the beginning would have cared enough about Joel when he was injured and like impaled no absolutely not do all that she would have just gone when she was first introduced to him she jumped out from a door and tried to stab him yeah so (laughs) but uh, i mean like when they first left that city yeah and even after he just like punched that officer to death and i think she was like oh my gosh he just did that to protect me no one would ever protect me like that before like i think that really opened her eyes but still in their in their time together afterwards and how much he doesn't trust her doesn't let her have a weapon like wants to watch her 24 7 just does not really care about her as a person she's more of just an item that he has to get from point a to point b she was cargo (laughs) yes so i think that even in those moments the early days when tess was still alive in that i think that if something had happened to joel and it was just her i think she would have just run and tried to make it on on her own and not really tried to well endanger herself to protect him or to get him back on his feet yeah um i remember when we were watching like some of the biggest shocks uh like definitively the biggest one i saw for you was when we were in the city uh where they had gotten together with uh sam and henry and we had gone through this story of how he's kept this his deaf brother alive and going through all this like he was an informant for Fedra. He's now living in an attic. They've run out of food. Uh, he has this great plan to escape. Um, but then Sam gets got. Yeah. And the morning after, when Sam is turned around, he can't hear because he's deaf. Yeah. Shocks Ellie. And then Henry has to kill Sam. Yeah. And I remember your face like how shocked you were the tears all of that just it was like a good five or ten minutes after the show ended yeah before you were just like you were just sat there like in shock yeah and like so there was one episode i didn't know what was going on and that was the episode that was based off of the comic and the dlc with riley yeah i knew how it ends but I don't know how it happens. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even have like an inkling of what happened in it. And the amount of tension and like uh, anxiety I felt was through the roof. And I have to imagine you kind of felt that through all of them. Because anytime there was a tense situation, yeah, not knowing how it resolves or what happens, mm-hmm. uh, it was probably like pretty shocking. So yeah. when... Sam goes that is very it's like double shocking it's shocking because it's a brother having to kill his brother 
Yeah. So like siblings having to kill each other when they've done nothing but try to protect each other. That in itself is shocking. As like teenagers or adults, then yeah. you make one of the brothers a child, mm. like a little kid. And you never expect a little kid to die, really. Yeah. Like, and especially a kid that hasn't like done anything and is just like the most innocent. Like, just a sweet little boy. Yeah. And he just wanted to be a hero, like a little superhero. And he just wanted to have someone to play with and someone to draw with and like because he was deaf also he really needed protecting in this kind of a world and his brother had done so well at doing that just for him to have such a devastating ending yeah and also leading up to that like ellie truly believing that she was gonna save him and that she could have control over that situation and not have someone else that she cared about die like that. And like, this was before we knew what happened to Riley, but it's just, it's the heartbreak because you, you see Ellie's intentions and you see this completely innocent child. And then you see the brother and there's just so many different variables in the equation that come together. And it's just the most devastating thing ever. Yeah. It, and then him killing himself, too. It is a tr the probably the most heartbreaking moment. Yeah. Like, there are other bits that are as, like, devastating and impactful, but the situation of it is a lot. Yeah. Like I said, it's all the variables coming together. It's the... It's how they were hunted so yeah. ruthlessly when his brother tried to say like just take me like let him go like have me whatever like henry was willing to sacrifice himself knowing that joel and ellie were there that could take care of sam yeah and he's like just just have me i'm the one that did it just have me let the kid go but that wasn't enough they were like no then obviously like their actions led for that big swarm coming out oh my god that was We'll get into that because that was the the most zombie this zombie-ish show has been. Yeah. And so it's just like you see how much he cares for Sam and how much he's willing to sacrifice for him and how much he already has sacrificed for him. Like mm -hmm. the only reason they're after him in the first place is because the information he provided that got her brother, I don't remember her name. The new leader of the... Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, like her brother gets killed because Henry needed medicine for Sam. Yeah. So it's like he he knew that he'd be putting a target on his back in doing that. But it was worth it to him to save his brother. And everything he has done in his whole life was to protect this kid, to preserve his innocence, and let him just exist. Yeah. And then it just all, everything that he did ended up being for nothing. And that's so tragic. Yeah, there was a there was a whole lot in this small little series of a, not a parent per se, but a parental figure doing unspeakable things for their dependent. Yeah. 
Um, and some cases it worked out, some it didn't. And it was, it was hard to watch. Yeah. But that, that horde busting out of that basement, that was pretty something, huh? That was awful. And then again, with the kids, like that episode was just like double whammy on the, on the kid oh issue because yeah. there was that child clicker oh, who man. was just fucking terrifying. Yeah. The way she just threw herself at things and just was like this little demon child bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Like, oh my like gosh. Somewhat, she was like a a contortionist child. Yeah. Actor it was who, fucking who did it. creepy. It was great. And then the way at the end, she just like weirdly crawls over like the rock and then leaps out. Yeah. Oh, it was great. My favorite part of that, on top of the initial like floor falling, then a horde rushing out. Yeah was that bloater coming out mm-hmm. um and um i want to find the picture uh and post it but real funny behind the scenes thing uh the guy who is getting into the costume for the bloater um you can't see it on the screen i think but even the costume for the bloater has just like a butt crack so that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> um but bloaters in the game like in the game they're because it's not as fun to just watch the cutscenes. Yeah. In between all these scenes, there's just like getting from point A to point B, and there's either a ton of hunters or a ton of infected. So, like, there's so many infected, and like, Joel kills hundreds of clickers, thousands of runners, mm-hmm. and a handful of bloaters. Yeah. And you have to actually defeat them. In the show, it doesn't look like that bloater is ever going to get defeated. Um, but in the game, if you don't do it right, it will grab your character, like hold your torso, just fish hook into the top of your mouth and rip the top of your head off. Wow. And that's what it did to the character Perry. Right. Who was played by the guy who plays Tommy in the games. Um, but... Uh, like that was, it was kind of like off in the distance that you saw it. Yeah. But that was really just like a satisfying callback to the games. Um, because that was the only bloater we got. Yeah. But it was, it was oh so good. Yeah. That one, that definitely like was, it takes the cake for like the best infected Yes. Scene. So it takes the cake for the best infected scene so far. Because, and I'm kind of getting into the game too, um, and I'm not going to give any context for it, apart from saying there is a hospital that right from the beginning, all of the quarantined people get put into. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, like ground zero of this city and this hospital so these are the first people who get infected very first okay and they all get funneled into a room and then as it happens more people could just get pushed in there and they turn and you know yeah but they eventually bloat like the bloater but it gets to the point where the entire room is just one mass wow but then out of that mass a creature called the rat king comes out yeah. And it is terrifying. And 
I really hope with all of my being that in season two, season three, whenever we get to see the Rat King. Right. Now, in the game, you have to kill it. And, I mean, if you can't kill a regular bloater, there's no way you can kill a bloater that's got a clicker on it so it can actually, like, see and has, like, all these other creatures, like, 15 arms sticking out of it and... Yeah. So it's it's definitely just going to be a tension piece and like a here's this thing we need to escape. But it it's fantastic. It's the the coolest, creepiest enemy in The Last of Us in my opinion. Apart from like the creepy people. Yeah. Um so let's talk about uh the final episode. Mm -hmm. and the controversy around Uh it so uh there's people that either way marlene's selfish joel's selfish neither one actually asked ellie for consent (laughs) uh joel is selfish because he saved one person over billions of people allegedly yes and um and then now on top of that, there's the lie that's going to potentially ruin him, like his and Ellie's relationship that has just gotten to such a beautiful place. Um, I feel like you and I are both on the same page as far as like what side of the controversy we're on. Yes. Yeah, so I saw this thing where a poll was done. Yeah. And with people who did not have any children, it was a pretty, like, 50-50 split over whether Joel did the right thing. Yeah. With parents, 100% of them sided with Joel. So it could just be our parent bias that we are on Joel's side for this. Yeah. But it is kind of comforting to know that 50% of non-children people not not like non-parent people we have 75 percent of the vote and there's a fringe minority yeah so i just want to say i i think that joel did the right thing one both of them i feel like should have asked ellie joel knows that ellie would have just sacrificed herself though yeah and she would have done so without listening to any logic or reason yeah so Again, that's like a a parent thing. Like parents tend to like not all parents. Obviously, there's there's definitely some shitty parents out there. But (laughs) I think for any parent who actually truly intends to do what's best for their kid knows that their kid doesn't always make the right decision for themselves. And especially when this is a decision that will end your life. Yeah. Maybe let's think on it. So I think that the the only way that I could see myself ever saying, sure, take my kid as sacrifice, one, I would have to see all the research. I would have to see all the technology, know the entire plan, because that's one of the biggest flaws in this is how, like, technology hasn't advanced in 20 years. Before this outbreak happened, and it was somewhat controlled when they first started noticing it happening 
and the scientists were like looking into this and like how can we reverse this this is happening this is going to ruin the world kind yeah. of thing they couldn't do it then and then the whole world comes to a halt and there's no way for techno like technology to advance how were they actually planning on now being able to aside yeah. from the dna that's, but they still have to have ways no, that's to, one thing i've always wondered because they find her and then immediately take her to surgery to remove it yeah like you you should be like hey hang out with us because we need to study we need to gather resources we need to find the things we need yeah to be able to do this there's no way she shows up randomly and they are ready for everything yeah like they have everything like all the knowledge that they need in order yeah. to be able to execute yeah. this so i think it comes to everybody in the situation did the wrong thing yeah but everybody also did the right thing for their own stories yeah joel obviously did the right thing for his story and for reasons I'm not going to explain to you, did the wrong thing and actively countered the right thing for somebody else's story. Yeah. And I'm sure Marlene thought, I am doing the right thing for my story. Yeah. So if if Joel and Ellie weren't our main characters and we had a different main character who had this immune child come, that... Sure, that very well could have been the right thing to do for that story. Yeah. But in this world where all this shit is going on, there is no more right and wrong. There is your perspective and what helps you survive. But even still, I don't think that if we were watching it from Marlene's perspective even... How were, how were they planning on distributing it? Even if it did work and they had a had a cure, how could they multiply it? Yeah. How I, did they distribute it? I feel like that's just like another thing where like I'm putting it into the the perspective of what they were planning would actually come to pass. Which like thinking reasonably, nah. But like if by some chance, they had this precise way to take the tissue in her brain and make a uh, inoculation and like immunize the world from this. Cool, but in the story of Joel, you are now trying to take another kid of his. Yeah. I I just don't think that logically it could have been done and then i think from joel's perspective it's that he values ellie's life so much and not to say that he well maybe it is to say that he thinks that her life is worth more than everybody else's but i think that his main thought is that her life is worth more than simply the chance yeah. Like there was no 100% guarantee. And he values her as a person and her life more than just to be like, here, use her as a guinea pig and let like let's just see if maybe it works. Like that's not good enough. Yeah. 
And how many times in this show did the uh, this person is more important than all these people come up? Like, a like lot. there was Sam and Henry. There was God. Who was it that was? There was somebody like within the last few episodes that directly said, "Is this one person more important than all these people?" And it's just like. Wow, that is so just like... Uh, it's probably David. Probably. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the amount of times it was just like put right into your face, like this conundrum of one person versus all the people. Yeah. And it's just like, well, when you care so deeply about that one person, there is literally nothing in the world that is yeah. more important. Especially in this type of world. Yeah. And you see how shitty other people are. It's yeah. like, I don't give two fucks about that person because they're probably horrible. And they this one isn't. They just tear gassed us and took this kid and yeah. strapped her to a table. Exactly. Like, they I didn't don't want to talk to her. <laughs> then the other thing, too, is like, okay, let's say it worked, right? And they created a vaccine or something and mass distributed across the world and took care of it. How does humanity recover from this? Yeah. You like, like I've been saying, you've just seen the worst sides of people. How do you just go back to being like, oh, yeah, that's just my friendly neighbor Jack over there who eats children? <laughs> like, you know, like I, how you can't do it. Yeah. Like, you just saw this person become just horrible. And maybe you could say, oh, well, you know, we all did things in order to survive. Some people went way further than just means of survival. Yeah. And when you stop and think of it, does this vaccine cure currently infected? I don't know. Probably not because their heads are split open. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all the survivors are now immunized. That doesn't stop them from being ripped apart. Yeah. That just stops if they get a little bite, them turning. Yeah. Um, Which eventually, over the course of time, with less and less turning, yeah. they would eventually die out, especially as you come across them and kill the ones that you yeah. find. Well, and it gets to the point where they're, they're either going to slow down and just, like there was a few where they just like melded into the wall and became stagnant and yeah. were no longer like living things right there are the runners that yeah you could just plow them down with a machine gun mm -hmm. um but some of them are just going to sit and because they are so constitutionally sound you're gonna all that you're gonna be have left is the bloaters yeah and like the big motherfuckers so Which I feel like are rare enough that it's like any sort of predator on Earth. Where it's like, yeah, if you walk up to a lion in the wilderness, you're probably going to get ripped apart. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you go, you go to the new San Diego Zoo. Here we've got the gorillas. Oh, we're going into the predator section. We have the lions, the tigers. Oh, look at these big bears. Oh, and over there is a bloater yeah. from when the world fell apart. Basically, it's just that a guy, monument of history. That guy is 60 years old. <laughs> we feed him. What? What do they need to live? Nothing? I mean, what do mushrooms need? We spritz him every once in a while. <laughs> Make sure his ground is moist. 
Yeah. Um, Is there anything that you didn't like or would improve? So I feel like what I'm about to say could be considered an unpopular opinion, especially because I... I want to preface it by saying that I don't think that it's bad, but I don't think it was the best. Okay. And that is that is the pacing. And I say that because like we've seen in other types of shows like this, like The Walking Dead, for example, yeah. the pacing, some things, some storylines were just too drawn out to the point where it was boring. And that's why we stopped watching that show is because it got to the point where it was very repetitive. Every bad guy was basically the same. They just went about it a little bit differently. And it was just very like cat and mouse back and forth for too long. (laughs) Yes. That being said, I am someone who loves context. So I don't think that like the pacing was horrible. I just wish that some things had have been drawn out a little bit more because it was what eight episodes long. So it was nine episodes. Nine episodes, but, but there was two the Bill of Frank. those were flashbacks. Yeah, so it was Bill, the and, Bill Frank, and Frank. Then there was the Ellie and Riley. Yeah. So, and again, like those were great episodes, and the Ellie and Riley gave us like huge insight into Ellie and how she is the way she is and Mm -hmm. her character and all that stuff that is necessary to really appreciate her character. But nine episodes and every episode, you kind of get a little bit closer to Joel and Ellie being actually like in a caring, loving relationship. Yeah. And we're just finally like it was in the David episode that we finally saw Joel really accept Ellie as a daughter figure. Yeah. And we just got that. And I know <laughs> now, especially because of the way that this the season ended. Yeah. With that. OK. Yeah. That it's only going to go back downhill. And so in the entirety of of nine episodes, we had their relationship at rock bottom and then get to the peak. And now we know that's the peak and it's just going to plummet from here. And that to me is it's sad to think about because I feel like there's so much more that they both have to offer individually and together that it, I don't know that I will ever be satisfied knowing that this is the best that we're going to see it at. Yeah, and I think the 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 beauty of that criticism is more content is wanted but not needed. Yeah. The story was still told uh like I everyone really liked how they transitioned it from game to show. Mm-hmm. Because in the game like I think if you really grind that game out, like you're playing it for like eight to 10 hours. If you zip through it. Yeah. And that is a whole lot of, um, there's a lot of just like 
travel time and you know like game mechanics yeah but the actual story of it you could probably fit into like one hour yeah but they they found the right things to expand upon they had actors who like pedro pascal and bella ramsey were fantastic yeah they and they have such great chemistry that it's like i want to see more of it and i i know that i'm not going to i know that joel's time is limited (laughs) i know that i have had that kind of in the back of my mind one there were things kind of hinted at online but also then the thing that really confirmed it for me was Bella Ramsey had said that she's excited to get back to filming. She wants to go back to Canada again and hang out with Pedro Pascal for a little bit. And I was like, (laughs) that was like the, that was the nail in the coffin right there. And I don't know like what my hormone levels were like that week when I found that out. I don't know. But I, I, I cried. (laughs) I cried knowing that there's an end in sight for Joel. If it makes you feel any better, um, they did confirm that the second game is going to be more than one season. Yeah, which because... I feel like is kind of what I was getting at. That I feel like they could have, they could have dragged it out a little bit more. Yeah, they didn't have to like beat it into the ground like Walking Dead did. But I feel like there was a little bit more that they could have expanded on in the first season, yeah. and now they're going to do that for the second season. Yeah, even for the if second like. Game. They went to Tommy's compound and were pretty promptly out of there. Yeah. They could have done a whole episode of just like downtime relationship building. Yeah. Um, they could have had in any of the time jumps an episode of relationship building that we don't get to see in the game. Because in the game, it is you finish this little bit, and then we jump to fall. Now we jump to winter. Now we jump to spring. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of time to fill, and they kind of did that the same thing in the show. So there there was space, but it's just like you also run the risk of if you do that, if you create this little story for in this bit, or if you expand on something too much, like does it have the same like where do you deviate too far i guess is what i'm saying yeah and i i feel like there was still a lot of wiggle room like before it got to that point and i feel like they could have still done it without it feeling like it was too much or unnecessary and one like surprisingly one of the stories that interested me enough to want more was the David story and that is purely because of the how the show went about really depicting people as as monsters yeah and here you have a monster a disgusting creature of a person and yet he was put in charge of all these people and you see kind of how they respond to him in leadership and i just kept questioning like how did he manipulate all of them to the point that he could smack one of their children and they just sit there and 
don't react to yeah, it. Yeah, I think it would have been good if they they had him be this appealing, manipulative bastard. And then it gets to that point where there's the heel turn in the, the uh, like, probably to the point where they go back to follow Ellie to the little cabin or the yeah. little house that they, she has Joel in. Then cut back to the just similar to how they had the hunters have a story of why they're there. Yeah. Have it the story of how he kind of came into power and leadership there. Yeah. Then the next episode have her in the cage and her. Yeah. Because I like and it doesn't even need to be that much. Like, honestly, he is who he is. He's gross. We want him dead that's the point of it and like he doesn't need a lot of context yeah but it's still interesting to see because it happens in real life like yeah sadly people like this exist in real life and they are able to manipulate people around them to do what they want and it would be kind of interesting to see how david was able to become in this position of power over so many people Like, how many people did it start with? And how did he slowly reveal his true colors? But it had to have been slow enough that they didn't realize what was happening. Yeah, because it's different from having, like, a group of five cult followers to this entire town who is just helpless to stop you. And, like, just how genius he was to know that, you like, using spirituality and the bible and like really playing on people's faith and giving them a sense of hope in a time when there isn't any yeah how he was able to like use that as a tool of manipulation yeah and it's weird how he also twisted it to be like his faith was in cordyceps or something yeah and like how everything happens in its timing and and it was really weird and like I would like to see how when everything first fell apart like how he got from point A to point B and it doesn't have to be like every day like yeah. you know the life of David Just but like give us like something insight into his his journey there yeah and I think that it just would have been a little bit more impactful than it already was because it relates so much to real life yeah and that's the scariest part is like you expect the infected to be scary but they're we know they're not real like we're not going to walk out in the street and find one but there are people like this and so that's why i feel like that is what kind of at least hooked me into it was just knowing that like monsters in real life exist they're just disguised as you and me so I that's why I think I would like to see a little bit more about that and see more on how he was able to really manipulate a whole town's worth of yeah. people. And then satisfyingly watch Ellie just like outsmart him and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I'm really excited for the second and third season of this because – the second season, my guess, is going to be kind of like a back and forth. Uh, we're going to have two different stories. We are going to have Ellie and Joel and kind of 
how they are struggling with this relationship they have Mm -hmm. and the strain that is on it. And then we are going to have another character and their relationship similar. Uh, It's kind of a parental role. Yeah. Um, And how they manage to struggle to stay alive, go from place to place. Um, And then it all comes to a head. Because events happen that bring the two stories together. Mm-hmm. And then it is a huge game of cat and mouse uh, between the two groups. Right. And I think the, f- the first part of that is going to be season two. And that's when I'm going to have a whole lot of crying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the end of that is going to be the big, uh, the big sad part. Yeah. And then season three is going to be that cat and mouse game. Which is, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some characters that were foreshadowed in this season. Um, when they were at the compound, there was a girl hiding behind the, the post. Yeah. And I don't know if it's been confirmed, but like hinted to that that is the girl who Ellie ends up being in a relationship with. Yeah. And it's very complicated and messy, but uh, it's a good story. Um, they're... There was a character later on in the season that even more so I don't think was confirmed or even hinted at, but people have theorized is a main player for second and third season. Um, so like there, there's, there's been quite a few like hints because uh, they're working off of the knowledge the first and second games are already out. So they have all of that information to work with and kind of leave teasers. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the game, they didn't know what the second game was. It didn't exist. So they couldn't kind of tease things for it. Right. But, um, there's, there's a lot of stuff I'm very excited for. Um, and if people who have already played the second game want to talk to me about them, uh, do it because, I'm real jacked up on that. Yeah. Like, I know, like, there was also some talk about, like, people were wondering if they were going to recast Ellie because the next game is quite a few years later. Yeah. But it's like, Bella Ramsey's 19. Yeah, so she's so, currently older than Ellie is in the second Yeah. Game. And, like, I know that she's 19, or they're 19, but I can't help, every time I see them, I... I just think they just need to be protected because they're just a sweet little baby. <laughs> like, I know that they're a legal adult and only 10 years younger than me. But it's like, it's just a baby. I understand. I can't help but now think of the percentages song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you got to love when the early work of an actor comes and it's and just, just like resurfaces. they just needed a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but like so, so talented. Oh, Absolutely. my gosh. And I just I can't get over the chemistry, the acting, the storytelling. All of it is just a masterpiece. And it was a delight to watch. <laughs> yeah. I say delight, but it was actually pretty traumatizing (laughs) in a good way. (laughs) 
<laughs> if that's possible. All right. Well, now that we're uh, vocally dealing with our trauma, if you guys want to tell us what your favorite part of season one of The Last of Us was or what you're looking forward to in season two or three or however many they decide to do of The Last of Us, uh, let us know. Instagram, Discord. And then I also want to know how many of y'all are on Jasper Talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can't be the only ones who are in this circle. It, we could, though. It is possible that we are. We just have to accept that we are very mentally unstable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees podcast. And if you haven't already, please download this episode. We will talk to you next week.